Hello and welcome to another Freshfields Tax Matters podcast. I'm Laura Weston, a knowledge lawyer in our London tax team. Back in October, we published our Tax Investigations and Disputes Across Borders Guide, exploring the contentious tax framework in nine key jurisdictions across Europe and the US. Among many other things, that guide gives an overview of the corporate tax disputes trends we're already seeing and our predictions for the future. And today, we're going to build on that further. With me to do so are Freshfields tax partners Sarah Bond from London and Philip Redeker from Dusseldorf. Hi, everyone. Hi, Laura. Hi, Laura. Hi, Sarah. So one thing that really struck me when reading the guide is how many jurisdictions reported that cross-border structures and arrangements are increasingly being challenged. And transfer pricing is named as one of the tools that tax authorities are often using to do this. Sarah, is that something you're seeing a lot of in practice? Absolutely. Transfer pricing is one of those things that it really only makes sense for tax authorities to challenge if there's a cross-border or cross-regime element, which means they think the FISC is somehow losing out on the ability to tax profits that it should be able to because those are being inappropriately diverted elsewhere. And what I'm seeing, I think, is modern businesses are complicated beasts organised by function rather than legal entity. And that doesn't really fit very well with the basic principle of comparing an intra-group transaction with one between third parties, which means cross-border transfer pricing is complicated and disputes are getting stickier. And the difficulties lie first in working out what the transaction is that's taking place between two connected companies, so the accurate delineation concept, and secondly, in identifying, if it's possible to do so, comparable transactions between unrelated parties. So I think transfer pricing disputes are becoming something of an evergreen trend around the globe that we will continue to see. Yeah, agreed, Sarah. TP disputes can be very complicated, but I, I think in addition, there's a political environment that has shown a spotlight on, on, on the entire system of international tax base and, and profit allocation. At least in Germany, it has. In, in many audits, my impression is that tax auditors are now looking at any income outflow to other jurisdictions with suspicion, sensing kind of base erosion and profit shifting, or BEPS, as it's called often, at every turn. I've even seen audit reports that challenge intercompany transactions on BEPS grounds before going into any technical analysis. That's a really interesting point. That kind of connection between tax dispute trends and the wider political environment can be a surprisingly strong one, I think. So those are all kind of international transfer pricing themes. Are there any more jurisdiction-specific trends or focus areas that businesses should be aware of here? Maybe we can start with Germany. Of course. In Germany, um, financial transactions are a key focus of TP-related tax audits. This is particularly the case for the financing companies many Germany-based multinationals have in, for example, the Netherlands or Ireland. Such fincos are actually often set up for regulatory rather than tax reasons. Even so, the German tax authorities still look at the pricing of any intra-group loan and tend to challenge the interest rates based on a comparable uncontrolled price method. And they then try to adjust the interest rate to a cost plus price. This has been going on for, for years now. This is particularly so for kind of low substance fincos. And obviously the question of what a low substance finco is, is, is uh, something to be discussed in an audit. For the time being, the, the German highest court on tax matters has confirmed the cap method is correct. But I should note though that Germany is just about to introduce a new statutory TP rule for financial transactions. 
these rules prescribe the cost plus method as the default TP method for many intergroup financing relationships with low substance FINCOs. It's also interesting here that the German Federal Fiscal Court, as the highest tax court, has hinted that the low substance of FINCO might be a reason to allocate profits to the ultimate parent for other reasons than the financial transaction. I would expect that to be the next line of challenge we'll see in TP-related tax audits. Thanks, Philip. That's definitely a development for us to keep an eye on by the sounds of it. What about in the UK then, Sarah? Well, in the UK, we've recently seen a focus on the transfer pricing of transactions involving IP, in particular in the pharma and tech context, where the IP is often the result of a collaboration between different jurisdictions, and it's hard to unpick the value that's being created by each of those jurisdictions. These sectors seem to be a particular target because the business model means there's often significant losses generated to begin with, not always resulting in significant profits. And the one-way street model in the UK can have a significant impact there. Transfer pricing adjustments can be made to increase profit or reduce loss allocated to the UK, but not the other way around. And if you're reducing losses for early periods, sharing those with another jurisdiction, There's no obligation also to do that for later profitable periods because doing it there would disadvantage the UK. And that sort of inconsistency of treatment is something you'd expect to be sorted out through MAP or the mutual agreement procedure. But there's potentially some difficulties there too, which I'm sure we'll come on to. So there's clearly a lot for businesses to think about, maybe worry about when it comes to transfer pricing. And it sounds like for large businesses in particular, there is a real and growing risk of them becoming embroiled in longstanding and difficult to resolve disputes with tax authorities. But are there other rules that we're seeing used to challenge cross-border structures and arrangements too? Philip, is there anything businesses should bear in mind here from your perspective? Yes, businesses should be very mindful of the various unilateral anti-tax avoidance rules, and there are many. On an EU level, but of course also in Germany, this includes the legal changes under ATAD 1 and 2, the European Directives Against uh, Tax Avoidance. There are various anti-hybrid mismatch rules, and there are also unilateral anti-BEPS rules, such as the license barrier rule, which disallows the deduction of royalties if they are subject to a beneficial tax regime. German tax authorities now opening audits into the first year these rules were relevant, and To what we have seen so far, they are taking quite an aggressive approach. So this is something that's really starting to impact businesses now? Yes, absolutely. These rules are highly complex as they require the tax authorities to interpret the tax regime that applies in a different country. And there's no map available, so taxpayers will in the end depend on the German authorities or court's view on foreign law. The better that taxpayer and their counsel are able to help the German courts and authorities to understand this foreign law, the better the taxpayer's position. That's really interesting to hear because the UK was an early adopter of the anti-hybrid mismatch rules. So we've had them for quite a while. And although they are one of the issues we often see questions asked about in audits involving cross-border structures, they don't seem to be a tool that the UK has used particularly aggressively, at least so far which is kind of borne out to some extent by the fact that although the rules have been in place since the beginning of 2017, there haven't yet been any reported cases considering the way in which they apply. That said, I suppose the UK's revised CFC rules, which of course is another tool for use in the cross-border context, have been enforced since the beginning of 2013 and have also not been the subject of any domestic case law, putting to one side the state aid challenge to the finance company partial exemption. But those are a tool we are occasionally seeing deployed in audits, 
although still not commonly. That's interesting. The German CFC rules are commonly applied or at least used as kind of a standard part of the tax auditor's threatening toolkit for cross-border intra-group dealings of German headquarter groups, in particular for FinCos. So we've now discussed some of the rules which tax authorities across the globe are using to challenge cross-border structures and arrangements. But one thing we haven't really touched on yet in any detail is how such international tax disputes can be resolved. Sarah, is there anything that you think businesses should know about that? Well, going back to TP disputes, I think they should almost always be capable of settlement. But I'm seeing that become increasingly difficult, primarily because the taxpayer and the tax authority have different views of how the OECD's transfer pricing guidelines should be interpreted and applied to a particular set of facts. Which, of course, means that TP litigation is more likely. Exactly. MAP is often considered in TP cases. It's, it's quite often viewed as a standard way to resolve those, I think. But different approaches to interpretation and application of the guidelines can also mean that the jurisdictions involved in a MAP find it difficult to agree. So MAP may not provide a solution to the issue of double taxation unless it provides for mandatory binding arbitration, which of course a lot of double tax treaties now do, but not all. The UK-US double tax treaty being an example of one which doesn't. For Germany and uh, the rest of the EU member states, sadly no longer for the UK, we do not have to rely on the treaty arbitration. In addition to the TP Disputes Convention, there's now the EU Dispute Resolution Directive providing for really a binding set of rules about how double taxation disputes within the EU are to be resolved. What's very important is, while still a dispute in, in this sense is between the states involved, these rules give the taxpayer comparably strong rights, at least compared to the usual clauses in double taxation treaty. It also provides for an expert opinion as the standard form of arbitration. And this increases the chance of the taxpayer getting a principle-based decisions, which in my experience, many taxpayers are looking for. That sounds helpful. What about disputes between Germany and the US? It's different in the German-US treaty, which provides for what is called a baseball arbitration, where each party, meaning the US and Germany and their respective competent authorities, provide a settlement proposal. The arbitrators can then only accept one of these offers. While this is better than nothing, in my impression, taxpayers tend to prefer arbitration based on an expert opinion and eventually a principle-based decision. That's really interesting to understand. And actually, something which I imagine might not be clear to businesses yet to find themselves caught up in an international tax dispute. Moving on slightly then, it's clear from the guide that there are jurisdiction-specific trends in domestic tax disputes as well. Sarah, what are the particular trends you're seeing in the UK? There's a few I'd call out as areas of focus for the UK tax authorities at the moment. One of those would be challenges using purpose-based anti-avoidance rules. So, for example, the loan relationships unallowable purpose rules. We've had a bit of a spate of cases over the last few years in that area, but I think there are still more to come through the courts, although the impact of those rules in the loan relationship space is generally reduced following the introduction of the worldwide debt cap, which of course was the precursor to the corporate interest restriction from 2017 onwards. I'd say what we're seeing here is the UK tax authorities taking a broader view of what amounts to arrangements that are primarily motivated by tax than perhaps they have done in the past. So applying some quite long-standing rules in a more aggressive way. Another area of focus would be partnerships involving mixed members and salaried members, which is especially relevant for professional services firms and private equity structures. 
again, this has been a focus area for a while, but some really large inquiries are still going on with potentially more litigation in the offing. In these cases, the focus is on whether, broadly speaking, an appropriate amount of the profits paid to partners has been treated as subject to income tax and national insurance contributions in sectors where those profits can be significant. And last on my list would be diverted profits tax. Really? I know we'd seen a fair amount of DPT challenges a few years ago, but I thought the general consensus was that the number of disputes in this space had died down after that initial big bang. Well, there are still some big cases waiting to be heard by the courts. And in the background, the recent proposals for DPT to be amended to form part of the corporation tax regime seem to me to indicate HMRC still see it as a useful tool with some way left to run. That's a good point. And it will be interesting more generally to see how those kind of areas of challenge develop. Philip, are there any parallels between that and what you're seeing in Germany? Yes, there are certainly similar trends in Germany. For example, the tax affairs of financial sponsor firms are often part of challenges and tax audits. For example, questions about what proportion of income received by managers is subject to regular wage taxation and what proportion is instead taxed as capital income or carried interest is very common and a difficult question. Management participation programs are often subject to tax audit challenges too. However, the case law in these areas is mostly taxpayer friendly and such challenges are often dropped in early stages. If they end up in litigation, it is usually because the advisor initially involved did not understand the commercial background and market standard of these structures, which can often be the case if you have tax advisors of individuals. So getting good advice early on in a dispute is important. Absolutely. And it, of course, it does not stop there. Valuation provisions in accounts, BAT treatments are the typical areas for tax order challenges in Germany. So there's lots for businesses to think about there. We've talked a lot so far about the rules that tax authorities are commonly using to bring challenges against businesses' tax affairs. But one thing I always think is interesting to get a sense of is the broader approach of tax authorities to tax disputes. One overarching theme that comes out in the guide, and that you've both mentioned already today, actually, is that tax authorities are, generally speaking, adopting more aggressive approaches than they historically have done. Yes, that's definitely right in relation to the UK, and both in terms of the position that's being taken on the substantive issues and on the penalties that may be imposed. Philip, does your experience also tally with that? Yes, absolutely. We are seeing an increased use of threat of criminal powers. This has long been the case in Italy, but is now increasingly common in other European jurisdictions. For example, as our team have explored in a recent blog post, the introduction of mandatory referrals to the French public prosecutor for large tax boots has contributed to this trend in France. So businesses should be prepared for tax authorities to adopt more aggressive positions in tax disputes and should be alive to the risk of criminal investigations, neither of which sound to me like particularly positive developments. Is there anything else businesses should be cognizant of in this respect? Well, I wouldn't want to be too alarmist. I think the big picture is that settlement is still the most likely outcome, at least where it's possible to settle. The ability to do that does depend on the jurisdiction. And really, that's because tax authorities with limited resources and taxpayers with concerns about the reputational aspects of litigation are both usually keen to try and find a negotiated resolution if they can. Indeed, in Germany, settlement on tax matters are, as a matter of principle, not allowed. The rules do allow the parties to reach an agreement on facts that are difficult to establish, so you will see settlements for values and prices, and this is quite often done. 
but there are these restrictions. And as our colleagues explore in the guide, similar limitations exist in Austria and Spain. By contrast, as our French team have recently written about, there are various settlement options available in France and the use of these seem to be really increasing. I would say I'm seeing more cases ending up on the road to litigation at the moment, or at least the prospect of litigation being considered more seriously where tax authorities won't consider a settlement. If the issue is a binary one or the tax authority is taking quite an extreme position, the value or principle at stake may be sufficiently significant that it is worth the taxpayer taking the litigation risk on the basis something would be better than nothing. Yeah, timelines can be very long though, particularly in cross-border disputes. You too have written recently a blog post about this in relation to MEPS, haven't you? <laughs> We have, yes. The OECD published some statistics in November which showed that MAP cases closed in 2022 had been open for an average of over 25 months before that happened. For transfer pricing cases, the average was even higher. And there are big variations between jurisdictions too. Agreed. Although those timeframes are actually a slight improvement on previous years, businesses should be aware that these processes are not quick. Definitely not. Let's wrap things up then by looking to the future. What should businesses expect to see in the longer term? I mean, the guide is very clear that our global team expect the risk of tax disputes to continue to rise in the months and years ahead. But I think it would be interesting to delve into what sits behind that headline point. Philip, perhaps you could kick us off. In my view, I, I think the tough stance on taxpayers will continue, not least because profit shifting and base erosion is still seen politically as key issue to be tackled particularly in the current macroeconomic environment where you see kind of tight budgets and countries are really behind collecting revenue. It's also the case that tax authorities have access to a lot of information about taxpayers' affairs these days. Via a raft of measures for mandatory reporting and sharing of information, but also businesses publish tax strategies. Quick plug there for a blog post that Laura and I have written on what that means for tax disputes. But The short point is, I think it seems likely to lead to more. Eventually, I think the key question will become what tax authorities can actually do with all that data. I expect that they will use tech tools to help them to spot issues and conduct even large document reviews. Tech and tax, I believe, will become a new and important area in the tax audit world. That, that's a good note to mention pillar two as well, I think, Philip. Intended implementation from January 2024, so not long left to go. And I think it is inevitable that we will start to see tax disputes around Pillar 2. I'm sure still a few years down the line, because even with uncertain tax positions having to be flagged in real time in some jurisdictions, there's always a, a bit of a time lag before these things start to get investigated. But I understand that the UK Tax Authority is already seeing this as a key area of focus for future tax litigation. Thanks, Sarah. There's a lot to distill from today's discussion, but in short, large tax disputes increasingly have an international angle, and that can make resolving them difficult. Increasingly firm approaches are being adopted by tax authorities across the globe, and we don't expect that to change anytime soon. And so the risk of large businesses in particular becoming caught up in long-standing disputes, particularly in relation to transfer pricing, is increasing. Exactly. I would agree with that summary. It's not an easy environment or a particularly positive outlook. Yes, and businesses would be well advised to get specialist legal advice at an early stage. Of course. Agreed. Thank you again to Sarah Bond and Philip Rudiker for joining me to discuss tax disputes, trends and predictions. If you'd like to discuss any of the issues raised in this podcast, please get in touch with any of the speakers or your usual Freshfields contact. And finally, from me, Laura Weston, 
Thank you for listening.